Welcome to The Complete Angler, your source of information on the outdoor industry in central Canada. With over 35 years in the field, host Don Lamont covers topics and issues with industry leaders and influencers to bring you up to speed on what's happening in the outdoor world. And now, here's your host, Don Lamont. Our guest on this episode of The Complete Angler Podcast hails from Alberta. Brad Pallister is the fourth generation owner and president of Thompson Pallister Bait Company. They are the makers of Len Thompson and Northern King Lures. He co-manages the company with his sister, Jessica Pallister Dew, out of their facility located in Lacombe, Alberta. Their 35 employees work to manufacture around 800,000 lures a year. These are sold across Canada and throughout the world. Hey, Brad, welcome to Complete Angler Podcast. Great to have you on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Don. Now, um, I was, uh, as you know, I used to have a television fishing show, and I don't, uh, I don't have them all on uh, disc. And I, unfortunately, Brad, I had them on VHS because that's how old I was. <laughs> and and um, I was watching a show uh, last week from Knee Lake. Down my basement, I have a VHS and an old uh, television. It is color. And uh, there I was in Knee Lake with my guest, and we were catching these huge, massive northern pike on a five of diamonds, yellow and red. That is the most classic fishing lure in the world. Tell us, Brad, how it all got started. Well, in a nutshell, Len was a uh, returned World War I uh, soldier from Europe, and he was badly injured. Len uh, was my great-grandfather, and uh, badly injured in the lungs in a, in a mustard gas attack, and the doctors told him to get lots of fresh air and open spaces, and he took that as a prescription to, to go hunting and fishing, and, and he, uh, he wasn't happy with what could be bought commercially at that uh, time in the 20s. And so he started bagging away and uh, tinkering at pieces of metal and pieces of wood until he found something that seemed to outperform everything else on the market. And he turned it into a part-time business uh, uh, from 1929 to 1945. And by 1945, it had, it had uh, grown into a full-time business. And uh, four generations later, here we are. Four generations. And you recently celebrated in uh, 2019, your 90th anniversary as a company, and you yep. did something pretty special. Tell us about the special Five of Diamonds. <laughs> so uh, we were debating on what to do fun for our 90th anniversary, nine decades, and and we had uh, uh, one of our, our employees who comes from a part of Alberta that has a, you know, a big, uh, a big Easter egg and a big... Uh, uh, pierogi and all that sort of fun stuff. And he said, you, you guys should think about a, a big, a big, the world's largest fishing lure. And we thought about that and he, well, <laughs> that's a good idea. Uh, so we went up to the local man, uh, 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 metal fabricator just up the road. And I said, I got this crazy idea. What, what do you think? And he said, Oh, I think we could do that. And eight months later, we had a, uh, 41 foot long uh, five of diamonds installed at the uh, Len Thompson trout pond, which is just 300 uh, meters away from the factory here. And uh, Guinness certified uh, about a year later. So it was a pretty, pretty fun, special project for sure. 
And we have a, a picture of it and a story about it because you uh, just got uh, that lure published in the Guinness uh, World Record book. Yeah, so to, to get a world record, and I, and I didn't know much about the process, you just need to apply to get a world record. And then they do, Guinness does their due diligence and, and says, yep, this is good. And you now have a world record. But to get into the book is pretty uh, unusual because there's thousands of world records that get submitted every year. And uh, usually you have to pay for the privilege to be in the book. And so two years after it was actually uh, declared the world's largest, uh, um, one of our colleagues actually sent us a picture of it. We had no idea it was going in and flipping through the book. And there it is, page 99 of the uh, 2002 Guinness Book of World Records. There's a big, the world's largest lure slash big five of diamonds right there on page 99. So it must be quite a tourist attraction outside your company, I would imagine. Yeah. So it's not far from where we are. Uh, like I say, about 300 meters. Yeah. We did it as a community project. Uh, primarily, we wanted to draw attention to um, the, the fishing pond, which is a Lacombe fishing game managed pond that just uh, happens to share our name. And, and we we help stock it every year. Um, and we wanted to bring a tourist attraction into the, to the, to the, to the city of Lacombe because, you know, in the prairies, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a birthright if you have a world's largest attraction in your community. So uh, we pitched it to the city and, and uh, we were able to, to manufacture something that looks pretty awesome. And, and yeah, it brings, uh, it brings in, a lot of people, um, last count, there's uh, well over 100,000 people that have sought out how to get to there uh, on uh, on uh, Google Maps. So it brought some people into town for sure. Well, that's not the only charitable work that you guys do. I know you and your sister, uh, Jessica, have done some great work uh, in these hard times with fishing for food banks. Talk about that, Brad. So right at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, we we had all of our purchase orders canceled uh, temporarily. Um, this is kind of March, April. And uh, as the world was kind of trying to grasp with what to do next, and we wanted to keep all of our staff employed, and uh, but we didn't know what we were going to get them to do because we didn't have any orders. So we thought, well, why don't we do this uh, special edition uh Len Thompson lure because Len Thompson doesn't come out with new colors very often. They're pretty uh, I, uh, few and far between. So we thought, well, why don't we do these six colors and, and we'll sell them to keep our staff busy and we'll donate 50% of the, uh, of the uh, uh, revenue of the project to, uh, to food banks across, across uh, the country. And it kind of snowballed. We, uh, we brought it, we brought it on as a make work project and, uh, you know, by the end of the summer, um, we'd raised uh, just shy of $25,000 and we'd helped uh, to support, uh, ooh, I think it was, I think it was 32 uh, food banks uh, across uh, almost every province. We didn't hit every province and territory, but we, we, we almost hit every province and territory. Um, it was a fantastic program. So uh, we did it the second year this year and uh, $16,000 and, uh, and uh, I think uh, I think it was uh, 22 different communities. I'm, I might be a little bit wrong on those numbers, but uh, it's been a wonderful project. And and uh, you don't realize the impact that food banks have until 
uh, I had no idea until we got the good fortune to tour a bunch and, uh, and it's been a really good feel, feel good project. Yeah, we were so glad to be able to participate as Hook Magazine. Uh, Kevin and I went to the uh, local co-op. We picked up $1,000 worth of groceries and we delivered it to a Winnipeg Harvest and they were so glad to see it. And uh, this has happened just before Christmas. And uh, it was a great feeling and glad we could uh, participate in it. And also, uh, Brad, as you might know, uh, the fact that you saw the picture of uh, what vehicle it was loaded in, it was the old red Ford F-150. I, ruby I, I, hear red. You I hear you happen to own one of those. <laughs> <laughs> ruby red, yeah. Ruby it is red, a, yeah. Yeah, it is. A, it, it's, a, it's, it, hasn't, it hasn't caused me a lick of problems in a quarter million kilometers. I love that truck. It's been wonderful. So uh, it, it also had the good fortune to donate a bunch of uh, a food bank uh, deliveries itself, too. So in here, here in Alberta. So, yeah, actually, that's the first. Uh... Just a sidebar note, that's the first Ford that I ever owned. And I tell you what, it uh, won't be the last. It's a fantastic truck. It's been so good. It's just a great vehicle. Anyway, moving on, let's let's talk about, I have a, a trivial question for you, and I don't know whether you can answer or not, Brad, but I would like to know how many five diamonds you guys have sold over, over 90 some years. <laughs> Uh, we've uh, we've sold approximately uh, approximately uh, fifty five to fifty eight million lures over ninety uh, two years. Wow! Uh, and we don't have a very good record of the entire history of how many five of diamonds we've sold. But what I can tell you is approximately forty to thirty five to forty five percent of everything that comes out of the factory has five diamonds on it. Wow. So uh, in a variety of different colors, I might add, but uh, uh, it's uh, many, many millions would be the answer, but uh, I don't have a, uh, I don't have an actual number for you, but many millions. Well, I have a few down my basement. And speaking of which, I managed to have a five of diamonds Pilsner when I was up at Ena Lake Lodge. The first time I'd ever uh, I've seen that beer. How did that happen? That was a cool project too. We, uh, so the local uh, brewery here in Lacombe uh, approached us and uh, uh, they're a, a really, really well-known brewery in Alberta. They're one of the top five largest and they do a really good job. And they said, we want to make a, 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 a five of diamonds Pilsner. We want it to be a, a nice kind of uh, beer beer and something that uh, an angler would really like to enjoy on a, on a warm day. And uh, what, what do you think about the idea of doing that? And we thought about it and we said, you know what? Uh, we'll do that. Uh, we'll license your intellectual property. And, and so we get a modest uh, royalty off of every can and 100% of that royalty, um, we donate back to conservation projects. So we don't put a penny in our own pockets, uh, but we uh, stock fishing, uh, fish ponds, um, We've contributed to a couple of fish hatcheries and uh, we've got another, uh, we've got several other uh, conservation uh, related uh, projects on the book for this summer coming up too. So not only is it a good beer, but it brings us in some extra resources that we can distribute help fishery and be social to, uh, to supporting our business. 
Well, that's uh, that sounds like a fantastic uh, project, um, yeah. and and it's actually a a perfect beer for the summertime too. And when you're up in a fishing lodge and enjoying the great outdoors, um, you mentioned in 2019, Brad, that you had all your orders canceled because of the pandemic. What what have been the challenges in the last since 2019 since that time as a manufacturer in Canada? So uh, canceled or paused? Okay, um, good, good. Yeah, uh, okay. I, they um, it 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 didn't take too long for it was May long weekend actually 2020. I think everybody was just unsure what was going to happen, and uh, the floodgates opened up uh, right after that. And so we went from building nothing to getting orders that we've never seen before. So <clears throat> we struggled uh, through the first summer with the crew that we had. And then in the fall of 2020, we started hiring. So we've always been about 20, 20 employees, give or take four. And uh, we're up to 35 now. So in uh, 14 short months, we... Uh, we nearly doubled our entire workforce and uh, we're thankfully in a position now that we're, we've got really good horsepower and we can uh, fulfill all the orders we need to. Um, and it's a great team. Um, everything's uh, moving, uh, moving smoothly now because supply chain issues were uh, a, a regular headache throughout 2021. Um, getting brass was extremely difficult to actually get it, let alone the price of it. And components and packaging was also a challenge, but uh, we're 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 cooking with gasoline now. What makes those uh, those spoons that you make? What what makes them so special? You mentioned brass, but they just have such an incredible action to them, and they, they just they catch fish. That's all there is to it. Well, I think <clears throat> yeah, we we use uh, the best components, and heavy weighted brass is definitely part of the. Uh, equation to getting a, a good quality uh, spoon, not only from a uh, performance ability, but a, a lasting ability. But I think the answer is uh, we haven't deviated from lens uh, research and development. Um, the die sets we use are still the same that Len put in thousands of hours of R&D on. And uh, Len was a very good angler. And Cecil is also a very good angler. And uh, we just haven't deviated from those products and the design that they've made. We just keep the specs the way they are. And I think the answer to your question is just thousands of hours of R and D from our founder and, uh, and, uh, and his son-in-law. Wow. What are uh, some of the exciting new things maybe that you could talk about that are happening with your company right now, Brad? Well, uh, I think, We've been a little boring the last two years from a uh, new product point of view, just because we had to focus on getting things out the door. That uh... yeah, I could, I could fully understand that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, from that perspective, the new things are every year we're we're going to continue on with this uh, fishing for food banks campaign. It's it's a great way to give back, and it gives our our fans an ability to get a new colored spoon uh, without having to. Uh, upset the oppo cart from uh, from a product point of view um but we've been putting a lot of emphasis and effort on our trolling spoon brand northern king lures that uh, is a, a 30 year old plus trolling spoon from uh, the great lakes 
and we bought them uh, kind of out from the we brought them out from the ashes i guess they we have the exact same spoon uh blank uh that uh, the founder made there and so we're trying to we're focusing quite a bit on assortment and distribution of this brand um uh, len thompson we're always gonna we're always gonna focus on making sure that that we're doing we're giving consumers what they need there but the biggest kind of upward potential is this trolling spoon brand and so we're putting a lot of time and effort into new colors there and new markets there and and uh, new customers and whatnot there so so when you look back on the last three years has the pandemic been a and i know this is a tough question almost been a blessing in disguise from a manufacturing standpoint well i'll tell you that um we're very, very, we're very much one of the fortunate businesses that, that has, um, that has had an increase in business due to the pandemic as, as so many in our industry. So I'm definitely not complaining uh, about the circumstances, but it has not been without, um, you know, stress and, and, uh, you know, I lost a few more hairs over the last, uh, over the last few couple of years, because it's, it's a lot of moving parts and juggling and, Mm -hmm. making sure that you're doing everything to, um, you know, fulfill ultimately the, the consumer's uh, demand, but, uh, you know, making sure your customers are taken care of and your employees. I mean, it's been a really rough, been a rough few years for everybody, mm -hmm. um, you know, from a mental health point of view, from a, mm -hmm. just a life point of view and uh, uh not to mention, not to mention the health point of view too, like making sure everybody's safe and feels comfortable. So it's been, it's been a, a it's been a challenging two years, but uh, certainly I, I, I much prefer it this way than say uh, one of our poor uh, colleagues in the restaurant industry or service industry, for example. Yeah, no kidding. So uh, yeah, one of the things that uh, we all used to do that be interesting to see how it it goes forward. We used to go to shows like ICAST. We used to go to different outdoor shows. We used to go to some certain specific tackle dealer shows and stuff like that. What do you see the future there, Brad? I love shows personally. Like I, I love seeing people. I love getting uh, good and bad uh, feedback on or constructive feedback on, on, on our products and, and our services. Um, and I love hearing stories. I love relationships. And one of the things that I really enjoyed the last two years is I got to spend, uh, every single day with my young girls, uh, six and, and, uh, three years old. Uh, but the, one of the things that I really missed is the, the friendships and the camaraderie and, and, uh, you know, going out, uh, going out for a nice, uh, a smokehouse dinner with the hook guys after an iCast show. And, you know, I really miss that part to answer your question. Um, I think consumer shows will come back uh, in a hurry. Um, I know that the, um, the one in Edmonton is going uh, again this uh, uh, April, I think. And that's a big deal um, in terms of uh, dealer shows and, and iCast. Uh, that's an interesting one. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to lay out in, in the end. I think that there'll be some uh, distributors that think that it's still very important to have those in-person um, dealer shows. Uh, uh, and then I think that there's some that uh, will think that that digital is the way to go in that case. And, 
And um, I'm not really sure how the cards are going to um, fall on, on that side of our business. But the consumer, uh, the consumer shows, I'm sure, will be back as soon as it's safe, safe to do so. Well, Brad, I would like to echo those sentiments because um, that is the biggest thing that I missed over the last two and a half years um, is the fact that I, I built my industry, I built my reputation on interacting with people, doing seminars, doing trade shows, uh, asking questions, answering questions, uh, you know, understanding what the public wants and, uh, and just rubbing shoulders with everybody and, and, and getting to know the mood of the industry and, and the anglers and, and what's going on. And so uh, it's been tough. I think uh, this last summer was, um, was a, a reawakening for, for me, especially when I got to go to uh, meet a bunch of old friends up at Ena Lake Lodge. And I got to uh, fish with some, some friends that I hadn't fished with for two and a half years. And I think that's a huge part of the industry. And, and it's something that I hope we, we can certainly get back to. And, and one day again, that uh, me and you can uh, share a smokehouse meal again, somewhere in, uh, in the world for sure. Yeah, I, I, I echo that very much so. And actually, I'm excited. I'm going to Eno Lake this, uh, this uh, June. Um, we, we actually had a, a trip booked just before you guys, but the ice hadn't gone out yet by the time we were supposed to fly out. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, it was a special trip, and it was great to, uh, great to get out there again on the landscape, and it's so important. Uh, Brad, I want to uh, Thank you for coming on the show, and I want to grad, uh, congratulate you and your and your sister for all the uh, great charitable work that you've been doing over the last few years. Well, thank you. I mean, it's uh, it certainly uh, feels good to do that and give back to the to the uh, communities that give so much to us. So, well, uh, appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, I hope you have a great trip to Eno Lake Lodge. I'm looking forward to it already. <laughs> uh, I bet you are. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for tuning in. Visit hookedmagazine.com to subscribe to The Complete Angler and never miss an episode.